Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we have a message from September 27th. This one, we're looking at the book of James, specifically as James talks about the ways that we can become a community of healing, a place where people find help for their souls, for their physical body, and, and even relationships. I love these passages. We close the service with a, a time of praying through people's prayer requests. We didn't leave that um, in the message itself. But, hey, we got a lot of things coming up. Fall for Art. We got a women's class on Tuesday nights called Praying the Parables. And a lot more stuff you can check out at NorthShoreVineyard.org. And let's head to the talk. Thanks for listening. North Shore Vineyard. And why don't y'all stand up, and if you have a bulletin, we've got a scripture on the front of it, James chapter 5, and let's all read this together. Starting in verse 13, here we go. Everybody read with me, by the way, okay. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Amen. You can be seated. I have to set a timer for myself now that we have two services just to uh, <laughs> just to make sure that we get it all in in time. Um, you know, one, one phrase that I've heard increasingly over the last several years, I've probably even said it myself at one time, is I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Or I'm, I'm spiritual but not religious. You ever heard that before? You know? Um, and oftentimes what that phrase means is that a person does not affiliate with any kind of organized form of religion. And many times behind that statement is a bad experience with organized religion. So a person is like, I've had enough of the hypocrites in church or enough of what the church is, you know, always judging people or whatever their issue is with the church or whatever organized form of religion. And they've opted for a private spirituality that is just uh, me and God. And I could say, you know, I've, I've said this on a few occasions that I'm kind of the last person I would think would have ever become a pastor because if you looked at my life 12 years ago, I'd pretty much given up on the church. I hadn't given up on God, but I'd given up on the church. Uh, you know, what's the saying? You don't, you don't want to see how the sausage is made, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I had been involved in ministry 
quite a bit, and I'd seen some things that I couldn't unsee. <laughs> and I became very disillusioned. If this is what church is about, it seems like it has a way of hurting people more than helping people. And so I got to a point where I was ready to just say, I'm spiritual but not religious. The person that says that is not ready to become an atheist. They, they value spirituality, but they've given up on the community of faith. But here's the weakness of that statement. Christianity, as we find it in the New Testament, is not a solo endeavor. And you can only go so far with it's just me and Jesus. It's just me and God. Uh, you may, that may sound, and, and believe me, as a pastor, sometimes that sounds great. You know, like, I, I could follow Jesus great if it wasn't for people. Uh, you know? But as tempting as that, that is you won't actually grow or mature in faith. You won't truly experience Christ, but in a very anemic way without other people. That's the way that God has set this thing up. I don't know why. It's his wisdom. (laughs) And as Paul said, his wisdom seems like foolishness to us. But one of Paul's favorite uh, ways of referring to the church in 1 Corinthians is as the body of Christ. Think about that. The body of Christ. Jesus has gone to heaven, but the representation of his body here on earth is his people. And there is something about participating in in, in this, this community we call the church, giving of our lives to one another, maybe our finances, our time, our prayers, and receiving from other people their prayers, their encouragement. There's something that when we participate in that flow, we are actually becoming the body of Christ in a sense. The, the Eastern Orthodox Church would call this uh, divination, I think. Not divinization, or maybe it's divinization. Yeah, divinization. Uh, that, that, that we are actually brought into participation with the, the divine, that we actually become the hands and feet and mouth and eyes of Jesus. But that happens not as a solo endeavor. That happens as we participate in community. Now, with that said, I totally get why people are leaving the church left and right and why people opt for, hey, I'm spiritual but not religious. I totally get that. <laughs> and I'd say, had I not stumbled into the vineyard on the South Shore, I didn't really stumble in there. I got hired there. Um, <laughs> but I was on my way out of church. Um, you know, had I not come to the vineyard, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be in church today. I'd be just saying, hey, I'm spiritual but not religious. You know, I, I don't have time for that. So I want to say it's a rare thing, but I believe that particularly when we look at the words in the New Testament, that it's a very possible reality. And, and I will say this, that in my life today, and i said this on many occasions, my experience is that I'm in relationship with people. I have people... Every week that I'm sharing my failures with and my joys, people that are praying with me every week, um, that's part of my life now. But that wasn't always the case. And that brings me to the passage that we're looking at in James this morning. And I'm not really going to say a whole heck of a lot about this passage because I want to allow some time for us to actually practice what James is talking about. 
or, or as John Wimber would say, that we can do the stuff this morning, uh, do the stuff that Jesus was talking about. So the first thing that, that strikes me about this passage that James is, in James is that there is this sense that James is saying, come as you are. There used to be a popular slogan that many vineyard churches adopted back in the 90s, and probably other churches as well, but I just noticed it in vineyards. Come as you are, and you'll be loved. That's a great slogan, right? Right? I mean, as far as slogans go, come as you are, you'll be loved. I love that. The, 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 the problem is, the reality is that if you showed up at many of these churches, it was come as you are, and you will be loved, as long as you change really quickly into, to, you know, fit in with a group. <laughs> Um, but what James is getting at here is that if you're in trouble, you're free to be in trouble. Pray. If you're in a place of happiness in your life and you're experiencing blessings, you're catching all the green lights, you know, your, your kids are obeying you, you're, you're paying the bills. If you're in a good spot, then come together and celebrate, sing songs of praise. If you're sick, get people to gather around you and pray for you. Come as you are. See, church should be the place where we can actually share not just, hey, glory to God, uh, you know, I won the lottery or, or uh, you know, the, the saints won or whatever it is that we're happy about in that particular week. It should be the place where we could say, man, my life is a mess right now. I don't know if I'm going to pay the bills this week. I got a loved one suffering with cancer. Um, my, my marriage is falling apart. I'm in trouble. It should be the place where we could do that. But oftentimes, unfortunately, church becomes the place where we put on a mask and we act like everything's going great, you know. How you doing? Oh, hallelujah, I'm doing great. God is good all the time. You know, uh, I'm more than a conqueror. <laughs> um, we need to be able to, to share where we're at. That's one of the things I love. We got this, this ministry on Wednesday night, Celebrate Recovery. I love going to Celebrate Recovery. Because there's just such honesty there. And it's not just, I've said that, i got to say this every time, it's not just for alcoholics and drug addicts. It's for anybody struggling with anything in life. And I love the honesty in our conversations that people can just be real and be who they are. And there's no judgment at all. We just pray for each other. We hear each other, encourage each other, and then we have some cookies and leave. <laughs> but, that, but to me, that, that, that's church. That's church. And James is saying, come as you are. Come as you are. I, I, I love what my friend Brian Johnson said a couple of weeks ago, that in his struggle with depression and anxiety, one thing that he has found so helpful is to surround himself with people who are mo- more prone to being positive. <laughs> because he's found that, that, that just getting some people around him that... that, that don't have the same struggle with looking at the world that he does is really helpful for rescuing him. And I think that should be the church that you should come in. Uh, you could come in and maybe you identify more with that last song that we were singing. Why am I worrying about my clothes and my, where I'm going to live and stuff? But, but you should be able to be lifted a bit by some people who are just celebrating God where they're at in life. That, that there should be that kind of thing that happens. And I can tell you that happens to me all the time. I'm in a funk. I'm depressed. I'm anxious and I get around some other people that are not there and they lift me. They help me get a new perspective. But at the same time, 
those of us who are prone to uh, optimism and uh, it, it might just forget about those who have problems. If you're coming in today and, and everything's going great, that you could celebrate with those in mind who are broken and those who are going through troubles. That's the body of Christ. And James says that if you're sick, then get some people. Some He says elders here. Um, that's kind of a word that is kind of weird to us. I would just say an elder is basically somebody that's been following Jesus for a while. You know, Dana and I, when we have gotten in problems in our marriage or our finances, uh, we look for somebody who has been following Jesus, who's gone through some junk, and they're still here. <laughs> That's what I call an elder. You know, somebody who's still following Jesus after they've been through some stuff. I don't want to find somebody that just has a degree that says, I, I, you know, I've got all these letters by my name, and I'm qualified to tell you all my theories on how to fix you. No, I want somebody who's been through some stuff, somebody whose marriage has fallen apart, and somehow they managed to get back together, somebody whose finances have totally gone to in the toilet, and yet they're still here. That's an elder to me. So if you're sick, and if you're sick here this morning, You've got a physical ailment in your life. At the end of the service, I want to invite you up to, to we're going to get some people who uh, can pray for you. And I believe in that. Now, I want to say one little, I want to put a little uh, asterisk here. I've, my one objection to James is that I think if you just read this the way it is, without the context of the larger scripture, you can kind of look at this as a formula that if we just pray for somebody, that they will be healed. And I have to tell you, my track record of praying for people to get healed is probably about 5% of the time do I pray for people and they get healed. The Vineyard Movement, John Wimber, who started it uh, 35 years ago, he was used mightily in, in, in a healing ministry. I mean... He prayed for like about 100 people to get healed, and they all died. But, but after that, something happened. No, he shares his testimony. If you listen to it, he, he, he shares his testimony. The first like 100 people he paid, prayed for with cancer died. But something happened after 100. He kept praying for people. And then all of a sudden, he, be, he was able to be used by God in a mighty way. And there were people... Uh, all over the world that, that he prayed for that got healed of cancer, blind eyes open. I mean, I mean, really like not just a head cold kind of thing. That's about, you know, most of the stuff that I see get healed. <laughs> so if you've got a head cold, I've got the anointing for that. Um, <laughs> but I, I've got friends who were in the height of the vineyard movement when John Wimber was, was doing conferences of six or 7,000. And... Um, People from his inner circle, I've heard that as much as we even want to uh, get sentimental about that era, and many people in the vineyard want to go back to that, and we just need to have more of that. And I, I want to see more healing. I, I do. But even at the height of, of John Wimber's healing ministry, it was probably less than 10% of the people he prayed for got healed, statistically. And I would say that I've had friends of mine who love Jesus with all their heart who died of cancer, and went down fighting. And they were proclaiming scriptures, and they had people over there every day praying for them, and they didn't get healed. 
And it's heartbreaking. And, and, and I, I want to bring this up because I feel like Scripture can become such a burden to people. You might look at this as a formula and say, I've tried this and it didn't work. Is God mad at me? And I don't want to solve this issue. I don't want to resolve it. I, I will just say this. When we pray, kind of like what I talked about last week, the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of this world. I use that quote from Michelangelo. Michelangelo said that within every stone is a sculpture, and it's the, a statue, and it's the sculptor's uh, job to uncover that. That we have a way that we can try to impose stuff on, on life and on God. We can try to see Jesus as a genie that will just meet every one of our whims when we rub the Bible or whatever. You know, that Jesus is just here to serve us and meet everything we want. Or we can say, God, this is what I want. This is what I desire. Nevertheless, I trust you with whatever outcome you have. You know, several years ago, Dina was diagnosed with lupus and it was it was just right after Ezra was born and she had such joint pain she could hardly hold him and we lived in a two-story apartment she could hardly go up and down the stairs and uh it, it was difficult and she had was just feeling fatigued all the time and and I know we have people in this church who suffer with lupus and we we prayed for her several times and and didn't see healing immediately and i really felt like god said well she's going to be healed but this healing is is not going to be just about her physical body it's going to be emotional spiritual and relational and shortly after that time she started going to see a counselor and uh had a change in her diet <laughs> Um, she did several different things because i felt like i was saying this is this is this is about her whole being it's not just about this one issue Six months later, she went back to the rheumatologist and was lupus-free. And rheumatologists will tell you, you don't get lupus-free. It's like something, you, it'll go into remission maybe, but it, they could not find the, the antigen in her blood. And that was 2004. They never had it again. She was healed. Now that healing wasn't be healed and all of a sudden she's healed it was a slow process, and it involved all kinds of other different things that God wanted to touch on. I'm just using that one example, and I could talk about all kinds of different things, that we have the way many times that we want to see God show up, and we get disappointed when God doesn't show up the way that we wanted him to show up. And so we, we think, well, God doesn't love us. Let me ask you if you're a parent in here. Do you always give your kids the things that they ask for the way they want them? If you do, uh, we'll, we'll come up for prayer. <laughs> no, there's sometimes I have to say, look, I know you're obsessed with this one thing and you want this outcome, but I, you got to trust me. I, I see a bigger picture than that. So even when we pray for people to be healed, I think it's just, you know, like John Wimber would, would say, even when we're praying for people to be healed, if we don't see them get healed at that moment, if they feel loved, that's the main thing. That people walk away if they don't have uh, the immediate um, sickness removed. If they walk away feel, knowing that they are loved and cared for by God. That's the main thing. And they can trust Him with that. And so, we, we believe in praying for the sick. 
And we'll do that today. And we'll agree with you. And I think, and we, we believe in laying our hands on people. I believe there's something about physical touch. Jesus, when he healed lepers, he touched them. <laughs> he put his hand on them. We will, we'll, we'll pray for you. We'll gather around you. Um, some of the most meaningful experiences in my Christian journey have, have been that. And then finally, I want to say this. James says that um, to confess our sins one to another and pray for one another that we would be healed. I, <laughs> I grew up in kind of a charismatic church where we would have these, these very uh, hyped-up altar calls at the end. You know, they get the band up there, get everything moving. You come up to the front, and everybody's speaking in tongues, and, and uh, it's a wild party. And you come up there, and you want to get ministered to. And so I'd come up there crying my eyes out, God, deal with this struggle that I'm having on the inside so nobody else has to know about it. Let's just deal with this, you and me. And I come up there, and I cry, and I pray, and I jump up and down and holler, you know, that, so God would do something. But <laughs> what I've found is the majority of issues in my life, God has not taken care of them with just me and God. God, in his wisdom, wants me to share who I really am with other people. Because part of my issue is I can get so walled in by shame over what I've done, what I've thought, <laughs> and not want anybody to let, let anybody in. So I've got to get some trusted people in my life that I can just say, look, this is what I'm struggling with. This is where I'm at. And let them see me as weak and broken <laughs> and messed up. He says, confess your sins one to another, pray for each other that you might be healed. I believe that this is part of kind of what um, James said in the previous chapter, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When we stop acting like we've got it all together, when we take this mask off of being, you know, super Christian or just got it all together, when we take that off and let people see us for broken, screwed up people, then all of a sudden we're open to the grace of God. And that's where healing comes in. So there's some sickness that we carry that is physical sickness. There's some sickness that we carry that's sin sickness. We're just in a fallen world. I love the Eastern Orthodox Church's um, understanding of Jesus. They see Jesus as the great physician who came to heal us from the wounds of sin. And I really think that that's what happens when we confess our sins to one another. We're open to the Spirit of God, the grace of God, transforming our lives and changing us. And here's the deal as well. Sometimes that process right there will actually open us up to physical healing as well. I've shared, and I won't get into all this today, but I've had a few times in my life where physical symptoms in my life, sickness that I was struggling with, and I don't want to say this is all the time, but there were physical things that I was struggling with that were directly related to shoving stuff down and hiding stuff in my heart. And as soon as I could get those things open with some trusted people, all of a sudden, physically... I actually was healed. So, I think that James gives us just a beautiful picture of a community of healing, that the church could be a place, as um, Jacob Dillon of the Wallflowers saying, that the church is a hospital for, sin- for sinners, not a museum for saints. <laughs>
And I would hope that, that, that this is the kind of community that we could take James's words seriously, that we could be a place where people find healing Maybe that healing is that is learning how to be in relationship with people. Maybe that healing is emotional, uh, you know, wounds. Maybe it's spiritual healing. Maybe it's physical healing. But that we become that healing presence. I've had an, I've, you know, I had plenty of experiences early on in my faith where getting around other religious people was not healing. <laughs> it was hurting and wounding. But I'm encouraged by what I even see uh, just in pockets of of this church. I see that that's not the case so much. So I want to encourage you in that. What I want to do today is um, we're going to close. Faith, could you come up here? We're just going to take the last 10 minutes or so of this service and actually um, try something interesting here. I'm not quite sure how this is all going to work. <laughs> but if you could humor me. I put an exercise on your bulletin. And I want you to take that index card that you were passed out in that pen. And we're just going to spend a few minutes. Faith is going to play, play a little bit, maybe sing a little bit, maybe dance a little bit. No. Right? No. <laughs> um, and I just want you to think back over this last week. And think of what stands out as the thing that you're most thankful for. Maybe you've had a really lousy week and you're just thankful that you're still walking above ground. Write that down. The second thing is reflecting over the past week, write down one thing for which you are sad, anxious, angry, or confused. And then the last part of this will be to make a prayer out of those two things. A prayer that expresses both your gratitude for the blessings in your life and your request to God for help. Now, what we're going to do here, you don't need to put your name on this card, but after you write that down, if you would feel okay with this, you don't have to do this, if you could bring your card up and drop it in this bowl up here. Um, And then at the end of the service, I'm going to grab a handful of these prayer requests out, and I'm going to read them aloud. Um, You don't have to mention specific people's names in here if you don't want to, if you're praying for a person. Um, but I'm just going to mention these, and we are going to pray for these prayer requests together, all of these up here. And then uh, we're just going to close by inviting people who want some prayer for healing up here. Okay? Everybody understand it? This means yes? Okay. Okay.